Welcome to this week's episode of Tell Me More. It's me, Katie Reed Hodges, with Kurt Grice, the Reverend Kurt Grice. And we talk about John 5, but we also talk a lot just about our lives and healing and the gift of life with Jesus. And so I enjoyed it. Please listen, and we'll uh, meet you in the podcast studio. Okay, welcome back to Tell Me More. I'm Katie Reed Hodges, but you might hear an unfamiliar voice. Or familiar, depending oh. on how long you've been hanging around First Baptist Arlington. I bet you can identify that pretty quickly. But for today, our friends, Dr. Wiles and Luke, are at um, a conference in of Washington, D.C. Yeah, something of a denominational meeting, but a little bit of a new twist on a denominational but what meeting. I like is it's interdenominational. I, I think if this thing called Ascent can, can get... Get its feet underneath it. It could be pretty cool. It could be really cool. Yeah. But it's a coming together of, of people who are like-minded with a common cause, and they are looking at new ways to address old problems. I think and that's I like great. That. What do you do in a post-denominational mm-hmm. America? That's mm-hmm. what they're trying to figure out. And yeah. how do we do it together with really good partners? We've got some uh, Methodists or Wesleyans. You've got You've got things like Foursquare as a denomination. I don't yes. know much about that. You have multiple variations You've got on Canadian Baptist. Baptists yes. who, uh, you know, in my little um, rubbing shoulders with, I really like Virginia Baptists and Canadian Baptists. Turns out Ryan and I are somehow, we just feel an affinity. And, and of course, Texas Baptists, that's my, yes. I, I owe them much. So people that don't know much about uh, Baptist kinds of Christians, uh, just hmm. like people do perhaps with other denominations or faith backgrounds. Yeah. Lump everyone all together. Oh, please don't. Uh, but please we, don't. we would see all the I variations <laughs> uh, and particulars yeah. that distinguish us from one another. And uh, it, it is important that you find people who are like-minded uh, and, and that you partner with them. And it may cross old uh, lines and distinctions mm-hmm. and hopefully even break down old walls. And would love that. Uh, this wonderful uh, morphing and evolving mm-hmm. of faith in the world today. This is an expression of that. Yeah. I like it. Well, it has wonderful people around the table as I've seen them kind of um, assemble the the team. So they are there right. and we are here. Mm-hmm. And so I invited Kurt. Well, one, I've kind of gotten back in the saddle, but barely, you know, three weeks in. And Kurt, you were on the podcast, but I was on maternity leave. Right. And now the stars have aligned and we and get we're, a, we're back together. Kurt and Katie. And, and we used to do stuff together all the time. Yes. And as our roles For those of changed, you who watch online, if you watch us online, for a very long time, during the pandemic and then out of the pandemic, you and I were every Sunday kind of the online hosts. Yes. And, and enjoyed that. And, and uh, of course, we've had a long history, long, rich history of, of co- cooperation and collaboration, uh, both on camera yes. and okay. off camera. I'm realizing, <laughs> um, you know, Kurt and I have a deep friendship. I would follow Kurt many places. He was my boss, and now he is technically not, but still, you know, a mentor friend of mine. Well, I'm just a, a old enough to be your father. I'm a generation. Yes, your, your daughters beyond, are my age, right? Yeah, which which doesn't in and of itself prove or guarantee anything, but it does no, create a, a very rich and meaningful relationship. I think so too. And so, for those of you at home that know us, uh, we appreciate each other, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to have this conversation with you today. So what are we going to talk about, Katie? Well, whatever we want, because it's our show. <laughs> That's right. And you're controlling the board over there, so you can do anything you want to do. 
Okay, that's labeled as fairy tale. That's what. Okay. That's how Kyle describes that. I, so I like it. It can I lead have, us to a lot of places. I have three daughters and I have a granddaughter, so that that resonates with yeah, me. Yeah, you get it. So, but well, I will let you, as the uh, host, lead the conversation yes, and well, take us wherever you yeah, want. There's much to talk about, and for those of you who know Kurt, you know Kurt loves the Bible, hmm. and you've studied it your whole life academically, but also just devotionally mm-hmm. and for your own growth and discipleship. So I want to talk about the Bible with you. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, and specifically the Gospel of John, which ranks even, way up there. Does it? In, okay. Oh, can you tell me, your Kurt Grice, do you have a definitive <laughs> ranking of like books of the Bible that you well, love? I love all things John because— uh, Thank you, because if you've been listening, in this room, we have Luke fans. Uh-huh. Dr. Wiles and Luke are uh-huh. Luke fans, which, you know, I'll be honest, the Gospel of Luke, I've studied it. I've read it. I just love John. I just return to John. And, and yeah, to so me— So I have found in— in our staff, in our pastoral staff, a friend in you. Well, the, the gospel of John. of John is just so unique and profound Thank and you. rich. Yes. But then uh, he also wrote three letters that got tucked at the end. And they're lovely. And they're fantastic, too. And so I think if—and and then uh, <laughs> Revelation, come on. So if you take the writings of John and not say, yeah. well, this book, this letter, this gospel, yeah. to me— But the uh, Johannine, which how we describe yes, it, the Johannine— you, yeah, Corpus. You, you could just swim in that water forever, and yeah. it would be great. People ask sometimes, "What's your favorite verse?" Mm-hmm. Um, and you say, "Early all. on, well, First John five, eleven, twelve, and thirteen, which is for those of us and who don't this remember, this is the testimony: God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son of God has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life." I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Well, that's it for Tell Me More. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> so, it's somewhat obscure because it, it's tucked away towards the end of the well, Bible. But it's, uh, yeah, uh, obscure in the sense of it's probably not a lot of people's it's favorite Bible beautiful verse. testimony it's from not, John. It's not for I know the, the plans I have for right, you, said right, Lord. Right, right. Yeah, but it's, it's lovely. <laughs> so okay. we're in John. And we love John. We're tracking with our pastor somewhat to try to yeah. unpack. And we're talking about our stories. And so well done, Dennis Wiles, for picking John because they're mm. such good, such good mm. narratives. And we were only in chapter five and we've already heard. What, five good stories? And I, and I just want to say it, uh, it was observed uh, on Sunday morning after the second uh, sermon and, and, and even in conversation afterwards that our pastor has had perhaps a more prophetic word these mm-hmm. last Sundays as he's sharing these stories. Mm-hmm. I have sensed in my dear good friend who I've known over 20 years and have listened to preach thousands mm-hmm. of times, and, and maybe prophetic is not the word, but the application has been more intentional more pointed, and direct, more pointed been. these yeah. last few weeks. Well, and yesterday, or, sorry, today's Tuesday. We're in it's so Sunday. Uh, very pointed in. Do you want to be healed? Mm. Jesus, and how do you need to be healed? Yes, and kind of the juxtaposition of Jesus is still on trial today. Mm. Who do you say Jesus is? That kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, I agree. But then even before that, when we were talking about families, mm-hmm. just uh, families are are under such. Um, uh, oppression, you know, there's just so much struggle. Mm-hmm. So um, I know who the do hel- you want to pray for? Isn't that interesting? The healthy family, and I'm kind of diverting. It's the it's the goal for ev- everyone. I think everyone wants health in their family. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants good relationships. I think most people want want marriage and want, of course, a good marriage. Yet the design that we're trying to reach, so we all fall short. It's well, probably everyone, the most, it's probably the most obvious. 
sign of brokenness in, yeah, our, in our lives. Yeah, because everyone has a family. I mean, but we're no obviously family, we're off topic. Everyone no, has a family, there is no topic just except, family yeah, of origin. That's why I said I did it. I took us off topic. But no, if, a, I just think, you know, uh, Wendell Berry, who's a farmer, theologian, poet, he writes about that we have blueprints for our homes. And so we de- the design is perfect. But then when you get to building the house, it's never quite perfect. But you still need the blueprint mm-hmm. to get to where you go. Mm-hmm. Um, I will uh, do better on quoting that sometime in my future. But I love that image because same with the family. Like, there's a blueprint blueprint for where to go. Yet none of us get. I mean, and I have a good marriage, but I don't. Mm-hmm. The blueprint is still so much better. And well, we none never of us shirk can quite away from the it, ideal. You know? Uh, the uh, the Bible gives us sort of God's ideal and God's plan, knowing full well that the reality is going to fall oh so short. Yeah, and we just feel it in our spirit. You know, you so you know what you want your family to be. But even but the, the family day-to-day. of origin, what I would say is people sometimes rush to marriage when they're talking about family, and clearly that's one of the key building blocks. But everyone has a family of origin. Yeah, and We're even all your, born into something. Even right? your initial relationship with your mother, father, siblings. Oh, you never get out from under uh, it. No, no. And so it's a part of your story if we're talking about stories. I know. And so you're— uh, seeking God's redemption in your family and in your closest relationships, whether it's with a parent, a sibling, yes. a child, nieces and nephews. Yes, we just um, want health and yeah. reconciliation. And then certainly and to you, be loved. Want, you want to have that in your marriage relationship. And then if you end up parenting or grandparenting or whatever, yeah. in every stage and phase of family relationships, we need God's redemptive work in our lives. And so that kind of lends itself to the topic of the day about healing, because obviously there's brokenness, there's dis-ease, there's dysfunction. And Mm -hmm. what we want God to do is show up and and minister uh, healing and wholeness and forgiveness and love, patience and mercy in those close relationships so that they are um, healthy, productive uh, that blessed people can bless people. Uh, we say hurt people, hurt people, bless people, bless people. We got to be blessed in order to be a blessing, and and we want our families to reflect God's goodness and God's intent for we mankind. We do, and maybe, and uh, you know, it would make sense that this is fresh on my mind as I am with my you, family. You are spending so a lot of time right with now. your family that has more than doubled in just the it last has. Mu- four, yeah. four months. There are four months so, today. Yeah. I think everybody listening knows if you're you know, a regular and you are a First Baptist Arlington person that I we have had triplets four months ago. And so we're just living with them. I mean, what we're a just challenge. spending a lot of family time. What a challenge. What a blessing. And it just peels back the layers of it life does. to you're just in the, the and, essence of daily and life. Yes. And we don't, you know, um, this isn't Katie's Therapy Hour with Kurt, but you peel back the layers and it is what kind of parents did I have, which luckily Ryan and I both have very good mm-hmm. parents. And then how do I want to be that parent to mm-hmm. my kids? You know, you think about that. I've thought about that for years, but now it's now it's the middle of the night and I'm doing it, you know, and so... And it starts now. Yeah. And and I would even oh, say yeah. you offered a beautiful testimony last night to our deacons oh, I when did. you I shared was, at the I very end. Yeah. You just needed to express deep gratitude and appreciation. To someone. Do you know to, what I mean? Well, yeah. that's, I so think that's what were, it felt they like. They were available. Because I told them at some point, like, yeah. I think I'm thanking the whole church, yes. but the 50 of you, 60 of you get mm-hmm. to hear it because I have a mic, you know, because I just, they've just been so good to but us. But how profound and yeah. impactful it's been for people just to show up at a time when you needed it, in a way that you needed it, and it's been constant. Yeah, I think you made constant. the statement that you got like 80, 80 days, mi- yeah. we did, <laughs> days we, of meals. Yes, we did. We had an 80-day meal train, and every night was full, except one night 
which obviously is fine because we had leftovers and DoorDash gift cards. And nobody left us hanging. But the one night that no one signed up was a Valentine's Day. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. It was everyone really on a Valentine's Day? No, it was fine. But uh, again, and I've had just minimal engagement in that, and I've, but I've seen it. Yeah. And, and oh, but, just but you and closeness. Kim have come by. Yeah, I mean, oh, don't, yeah, yeah. yeah and, don't. and your your boys are awesome. But the closeness, the intimacy, the multi-generational uh, engagement, it feels more like the village that it we is. talk about that it, that it takes to raise a child in action it and very is tangible. Truly, truly, First Baptist said it's best. And and to trust that which is nearest and dearest to you, your your newborn boys, into someone else's arms for them yeah. uh, to rock and feed and, and burp and change a diaper and comfort when they're crying yeah. and clean up after they throw up and they, just yes, all of that. Yes. You're, you're so vulnerable, mm-hmm. and yet you realize how needy you are in this moment mm, and it. you can't <laughs> turn away people who want to help when you desperately need that help and yes. if, if you humble yourself i have ryan and i both we talked about it last night we have asked we have asked for and accepted more help in the last not just four months but probably seven mm-hmm. or eight yeah leading up to the birth yeah because i hit i hit a i couldn't do anything stage of my pregnancy much earlier than many mm-hmm. you know where it's like i can't i can't unbox that crib i can't paint that wall i can't you know, sit up straight, whatever. So, well, thank God for God's people. Yeah, when they're um, at their best, they're really, really good. Oh, may we all <laughs> be at our best every yes. once in a while. Yes. Well, it's been great, and we've been very, 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 very blessed, mm-hmm. gifted, just generously helped by our church. So, mm-hmm. and our families, but our church is here in Arlington. So, um, okay, the, the family we so want it to be what it could be. I think about that a lot healing and wholeness, mm-hmm. we so, I mean, when you need it, it's mm-hmm. all you think about. Mm-hmm. When you, you know, I think about um, my aunt and uncle have just joined our church, and I, I don't think they'd mind me saying this. My uncle has been through a cancer journey, and and we thought we might lose him because it's pancreatic cancer, which nobody wants pancreatic cancer, mm-hmm. but he has been healed, and he has been, um, he had a very successful surgery about two months ago, and he's we have a new lease on life with my uncle, but for our little family, we have thought a lot about just healing. Mm-hmm. And when you need it, man, it's all you. Well, when you're it's in right pain, in front of you, you know? all of this, the, the healing takes multiple forms. And, and our pastor did such a beautiful job of unpacking that Sunday morning in his message. But we typically yeah. think about physical healing. And honestly, when you look at our prayer requests most weeks, mm-hmm. it's 90 a high 90 percentile mm-hmm. of physical yeah, right. situations. Mm-hmm. But occasionally we do have uh, relational, emotional, mental, spiritual yeah. kinds of concerns that yeah. also need a form of healing. Yeah. But physical pain has a way of getting our attention like nothing else can. Yes. And especially in the middle of the night uh, <laughs> when you when, when you are yeah. trying to sleep or just laying uh, in the quiet, in the dark, any pain is magnified, uh-huh. but significant pain can be excruciating mm. and sleep depriving and at times overwhelming. And so crying out to God in that moment in sheer desperation is kind of um, reflective or illustrative of the kind of uh, need that we have in other areas of our life, but mm-hmm. we're not always as quick to yeah. to acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Yet sometimes even those in the middle of the night is when they catch yes, up with you. That's right? right. Your body may be okay, but your your spirit, your yeah. soul, your mind, uh, relationships are, are just pressing in and hmm. and and so daunting. And so we have a great physician yes. who is able to heal in those so many ways and the ways that we need to. And he does it um, 
because he loves us. Mm. But I, I love what the pastor said when he reflected on the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept yeah. at, at Lazarus' uh, grave and, and his death, knowing full well he was going to raise him back to life, but mm-hmm. also knowing full well he would die again. Mm-hmm. And he was so moved by people that he knew and loved, the yeah. sisters and, and mm-hmm. their circle of friends and family, yeah. people Jesus knew and loved. Yeah, and, lest we make Jesus too up in the up in the clouds— um, oh, he's God, so he doesn't feel these human emotions. Um, you know, read the Bible. Yeah, I'd say. he was. Don't he don't was, try to make it something that's not. He was moved by their grief and sorrow, and 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 he wept with them. Mm-hmm. But he also wept just because of the brokenness mm-hmm. of humanity, and knowing full well that his friend Lazarus would would die again, and yeah. they would have a second funeral. Yeah. Hmm. But uh, Jesus as the great physician is just one of the titles and functions and and beautiful attributes of our Lord. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's the good shepherd, you know, he's, he's the bread that gives life. He's, he's all these things. He's the gate. He's the door. Yeah. Yeah. He he's is the living the water. I am. Yeah. yeah. And so, but the, the great physician is That's one that one. I think we often feel the need um, to claim yeah. in our lives. We do. Well, let's, let's keep looking at John mm-hmm. because it's a great story. They're all good stories because we love mm-hmm. John and John did a great job, but, um, I think there's a few things that are kind of running behind this that give it context, which Dr. Wallace did a good job about explaining what the Pool of Bethesda was mm-hmm. and this kind of ancient lore around it. So, I mean, if you listen to the sermon, uh, this is Dr. Wallace's words, but there's kind of this, um, not a biblical reality, but probably kind of a myth around it that an angel might come stir the water. And then when the angel stirred the water, the first one in got healed. Mm-hmm. And so really maybe there was, and I hate to be too scientific, but there's probably a spring involved. Sure. And so the water was being stirred and but probably they like, couldn't see why. Right. Yeah. So attributing that to an angel. And, and, and so you walk in and maybe get healed. I don't know. Yeah. And so people would gather around it and try to get their friend in first. And so there's, I just picture this kind of almost competitive waiting moment. To, What's interesting to hop is in. then the assumption is that uh, at least some of them were healed. Or why would you keep doing it? Right. So, or is it, you know, I just, then I'm like, is it a placebo effect? Did uh-huh. you just, I don't know. So, so that's an interesting context. You have this guy who I was born in 1985 because Dr. Wallace mentioned that it's been 38 years over the Texas mm-hmm. or 30, 30. Yeah. They say he'd been hanging out of the pool for 38 years. Yeah. And Dr. Wallace said, what were y'all doing at 85? And I was like, well, I was incubating and then <laughs> joined the world in 1985. And so my whole lifetime of suffering for this person. But um, one thing that's also running behind it is this idea of Sabbath. Because quickly when Jesus asks the guy to get up and take his mat, the Pharisees get on their high horse, as they do, mm-hmm. and they say, well, who told you you could do that? And the, the implication is, who who allowed you to, quote-unquote, work on the Sabbath? Yeah, who encouraged you to break the there Sabbath? Yeah, yeah. So, Kurt, will you tell me more? I'm going to ask, like, your Dr. Wiles. Why, how did—we read in, we read in the um, Ten Commandments way back in Exodus, honor the Sabbath, remember, right, the, remember Sabbath, the Sabbath, keep, keep it, it holy. holy. Yeah. But we've got—and so how do we get from that— to fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, New Testament, here's Jesus, and you can't carry your mat. How is that remembering the yeah. Sabbath and keeping it holy? Or how is that breaking that commandment? Well, obviously, you know what I mean? God, um, God is the one who declared that, um, even in the creation story, that he rested on that seventh day, and therefore um, we are to rest mm-hmm. on that seventh day, just to acknowledge his sovereignty, his authority, um, and, and to Yeah, Dr. Wallace said in his sermon— the universe keeps working. Yes. You know, it doesn't take 
the, the world goes on without us. You well, know? we're so egocentric and narcissistic. We think that, yeah, it all depends on us. Yeah. And if you take a day off and you realize life goes on, maybe it doesn't all depend yeah. on you. Yeah. There's some uh, but also it's an attempt to, to obey, to honor God mm-hmm. and, and to keep his word. Uh, I think the evolution of that really uh, took its strongest detour in the exile mm-hmm. um, after God's judgment. He warned the people over and over and over through the prophets. Uh, they had drifted so far from God. And of course, as we read through the Old Testament, they went through this cycle of of, of sin, of, mm-hmm. of drifting away, of yeah. of idol worship, and, mm-hmm. and just debauchery. They just get it right. God, God would punish them. They would repent. They would be restored. And then after a while, yes. they'd go and back to And there's a the reason the Exodus is this wonderful kind of metaphor for our journey with God, right? There's a reason Exodus is such a good story that we keep coming back to. Because when you say, yeah, they just kept messing up, coming back, kept messing yeah. up, going back. And guess who else does that? Uh, I do. I'm looking in the mirror. I yes. do. <laughs> yes. yes. But it's that yeah. human uh, tendency, you know, God, oh, save me, save me, he saves us. Uh, we repent. And you We're say, restored. not like, and you say, not like this. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know. or, okay, great. Now, I got this. Um, and then back to prone it. to wander, mm-hmm. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And so uh, the, the nation of Israel's sin is our sin. And yeah. human nature is is the same as it's always been. But uh, in the time of captivity, in that uh, time of exile, the the Jews got the message. And the nation of Israel mm-hmm. uh, truly uh, said, enough is enough, mm-hmm. and we're not going to, we're not ever going to let this happen again. Yeah. So when they uh, were sent back to, to Israel, uh, rebuilt the wall, rebuilt Jerusalem, um, were restored, uh, these law keepers Sort of sprung up, who who ensured so we we're get, never we, gonna. We get to Jerusalem as as you know God's chosen people. We build the temple. We've arrived. We're not gonna mess it up. We're Is not that what ever gonna get let this happen again. Yeah. And so the the law keepers, the rule keepers, were given a place of of authority, uh, appointed or self appointed or whatever. Yeah. But the 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 Pharisaic movement grew out of that, mm-hmm. just to help ensure that the the God's people would yes. never be subject. To that kind of punishment and exile again. And when we talk about Pharisees, in, you know, interacting with Jesus, we kind of turn our nose up. We were like, mm, the Pharisees, their their intent was wrong. They were just having these gotcha I, I moments. Think the original intent was good. Yeah, but the, but back it in the day, good and then it went yeah, bad. like again, like so many things. But I think you know the the Pharisees in the beginning, they, they were just trying to preserve this richness, this this gift that they had. But they forgot the why, mm. and so they became mm. honestly. When we think about the Pharisees. They're almost Satan-like in their accusation. Um, mm-hmm. They they can't really save you, but boy, they're good at accusing you. Hmm. You know, they they can point out your wrongdoing and heap guilt on you. But there's not. But they can't a do really. Forward, anything. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, apart from the sacrificial system, and and that's um, something that they had a lot to say about as well. Yeah. But anyway, so so keeping the Sabbath was a really big deal for them in part because it was, of what they had endured over the centuries as a nation. Yeah. And 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 yet protecting. their good became ill and and it became So they abusive. created this this what I would call maybe a list of don't do it. Yeah. Just to be in case you know it's almost like the core is we well, don't touch don't touch the stove and eventually it's like well we're not even going to plug it in you know it's like we're going to stay far away and the way to ensure you don't do that is you lock the kitchen yeah. and nobody gets and you don't even get to wait eat. you were in the kitchen I saw you getting a cookie but you yeah. know and then so what's the exactly. punishment for that yeah. blah 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 you've locked up the house you don't even go in the house <laughs> yeah. you go in the house you get yeah I get it and so, so when Jesus bursts on the scene 
and and starts doing all, all these good things on the Sabbath, mm-hmm. again, they forgot the why behind yeah. it. And there was no hint of God in it, really. It was this distant judgmental God mm-hmm. and not this close personal saving God. Yeah. And so Jesus was a threat to their system, to their power mm-hmm. uh, as the rule keepers. And he said, hey, I'm, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. You know, and the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Yeah. And so he just turned, as he always does, turns things upside down. Yeah. And and so we have to understand that Jesus is doing a new thing, and it's a threat to the people in charge, mm. but it's life-giving to the ones who need it. It is. And sometimes freedom can be scary, you know? You're free to roam. Just yeah. don't sin. It's yeah. a little bit— you know, we, we sometimes we like a little more restriction. Well, I, and I would say this: um, we have a society now that is big on freedom. Everybody yeah. demands their freedom, mm-hmm. and in reality, both personally by God's gift of free will, and because we have the blessing of living in a, a free country, you can choose what you Almost will do. Anything. But yeah. you don't get to choose are the consequences. Mm. You choose your actions, but you don't get to choose the consequences. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes people think that, that it's a free country. Th- th- well, or that their actions are consequence free. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have to live very long before you discover that's yeah. that's not actually true. Yeah. You can pretty much do what you want, but you have to pay the price. There are right? always consequences. Yeah. But I also want to talk about just the the healing that Jesus gives and the why behind it. As I said, he he heals and provides because he loves us. But it's, I don't think it's ever just for that purpose. He is always trying to lead us into intimate relationship and personal faith in God. Mm-hmm. And so when we, we look at this story of this man who was um, sitting there, probably defeated and hopeless and and honestly it just become habit. Mm-hmm. He did the same thing every day pretty much. Uh yes. including Unreal. the Sabbath obviously because that's where Jesus healed him. Yes. So it Even was 7 days Sabbath. a week yeah. for 38 yeah. years. Gosh. He'd been hanging out by the pool and and whatever ritual or, or habitual which is yeah. why I think Jesus said, so you want to keep doing this or do you do you want to be well? I love that question. <laughs> I love that question. Because some people get so used to their sin or their dysfunctional yes. life. I was a college minister for 13 years. I feel like that is a great question across the table from somebody. So you want to keep, keep living like you you're living? You keep coming to me with your problems. Do you want to change? Mm-hmm. If you could, even mm-hmm. if you could, do you really want to be different? Yeah. And you know? so it starts, yes, I want to be well. Yeah. But then are you willing to do what it takes to, to get, get well. there. And and this guy, like everybody else hanging out of the pool, thought there was only one way to get well. Yeah. And it was to be first in the water when the uh-huh. when the stirring. And he kind of makes some excuses, you know. Yeah. 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 And, he's and an interesting Jesus... character. It, the, the, I mean, he's not named, but he he makes a few excuses. Well, you know, I'm never the first one in, or they always beat me to it. You know, kind of, I don't know, you could build a narrative there. But then also when he does get healed, he just kind of goes and tattles. Dr. Wallace mentions yeah. that. He kind of goes straight to the leaders and is like, hey, this guy. So... Because he was a product of the system. It's just a fascinating— He was a product of the system, and so he only knew uh, the system that that he had been subject to. And so telling telling on Jesus, like he he broke the rules. And as as excited as he had to be and as unsettled as it had to be to walk for the first time in 38 years— Can you imagine? He he was still uh, a victim of the system. Yeah. And I mean, not that—it's always interesting to read these narratives. You put yourself in there. Not like I'd do better— but it is like you just had an encounter with Jesus Christ. It's changed, mm-hmm. changed your whole life, physically, all the ways, and you still are just kind of uh, 
This is just a real person but, with but a real Jesus, story. Jesus did it because he cared about this man and, and he knew what mm-hmm. he needed. And that's why I asked him, you know, is this what you want? And, and he gave it to him. But it was always, to, uh, I think it always is, to lead to faith, personal faith, mm-hmm. life-changing, life-giving um, yeah. faith. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I also love to look, I mean, we're in John chapter 5. Okay, here's Kurt doing what story. Kurt can do. Well, no. So no, look but, on either side. you know, side there it is. You're well, going to sandwich look it. Look on either side of it, because yeah. right before this in, in chapter 4, there's this royal official, this kind of government official mm-hmm. who comes to Jesus and says, my son's about to die. Would you heal him? Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, um, okay, your son's healed. And and this guy believes yeah. that he is. And so he runs back. He's He's in Cana. And his son's back in Capernaum. And so, I don't know, five, six miles, I don't know how far away it mm-hmm. is. But so he's on his way back home. Yeah, a longer and, run than I yeah, you know, go yeah. out for and, in the morning. And so his house official, you know, his, his servants, whatever, say, hey, your son's healed. Really, when did it happen? He realized it's the time Jesus said. And, and then it says, and so he believed and his whole family, his whole house believed. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is reflective of why Jesus heals. Mm-hmm. Uh, he loves us. He cares about us. He wants us to be whole. But it isn't just about getting what we want. Mm-hmm. It's about getting what we need. Yeah. And so healing that man's son who was on the verge of death led to his personal faith. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the promised mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. He's the one who gives mm-hmm. life. And his entire family, his entire household put their faith in Jesus. That's really, I think, the point of, of healing. Look on the other side. Yeah. Okay. Uh, six, so, then, so then you get to John so, 5. So on we're the other talking side about... in 6, it's all about Jesus as this life-giving bread. Yeah. And so he feeds these people. Why? Well, they were hungry. Mm-hmm. Well, why does he care? Well, because he loves them and yeah. he cares about them. Because Jesus so cares about he people. He feeds them. And it's maybe 10,000 people. Um, and and uh, they're in Bethsaida and they've, they've gone you know, uh, I used to think when they crossed the lake, they went right across the middle. They're they're just kind of skirting the top edge mm-hmm. from northwest to northeast. Yeah. So however many, I don't know, 10, 12 miles. Yeah. Uh, but in Bethsaida, I love this. They, they're on. out in the Go middle on. of nowhere. And all these people, or maybe 10,000 people, have tried to follow Jesus out into the middle of nowhere. Right. It's a pretty rural. Yeah. We're pretty, pretty rural and, by And then. so they're hungry. They didn't pack. For this trip, no, and there's just there's no bodega to you know no, feed ten thousand people. Yeah. And so he asked Philip, "Why did he ask Philip?" Well, that was Philip's hometown. Philip and Andrew and Peter were from that northeast mm-hmm. part of the Sea of Galilee, yeah. Bethsaida. Mm-hmm. So they were the local boys. So and he, he says, says, "Hey, get so food. yo, Philip." You're from around here. Where can we get bread for 10,000 people? And Philip like, said, trust we can, me. We cannot. Ain't. <laughs> we cannot, <laughs> yeah, sir. Yeah. yeah. It's not an <laughs> option. Uh, and then Andrew, who probably knew some of these people if yeah. they're from that area. He may have known this boy, you know, or certainly felt mm. comfortable says, asking well, his this. people, mm-hmm. hey, has anybody got any food? In here? So here's this kid that's got uh, a yeah. little bit of lunch, whatever. Mm-hmm. It would have been plenty for him, but not for 10,000 yeah. people. Great little kid lunch. But then he takes it and does this incredible mm-hmm. miracle. Mm-hmm. And, and at that point, Jesus experiences the high point of his popularity. It is. And then quickly... They want to make him king. Yeah. Hey, anybody that can do this, yeah. we just need more, to put him more. in charge. More, Give us more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. If he can do this out in the middle of nowhere, imagine what he can yeah. do, you know, yeah. in our village, our town, whatever. And he, he quickly corrects that view of him. Yeah. So he slips off and, and says, uh, I'm, I'm out of here. Um, well, he says uh, some weird stuff. I mean, he gets well, weird at John that's 6. that's when it gets weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then he crosses back up. They go back the— The weird stuff is— uh, 
eat my body, drink my blood. Yes, I mean, and then yes. everybody says, uh, this isn't what we thought it was. Whoa, so anyway, whoa. Yeah. yeah. And so he is the bread of life, but it, it's also the timing on this because, uh, John says, uh, the Passover was near. Mm-hmm. So again, you're hmm. talking about this Pharisaic system yeah. of, of what's condemnation, behind it. Mm-hmm. you know, and guilt and all, mm-hmm. well, the sacrificial system. Yeah. So the people know Passover's coming. Mm-hmm. And so what's that all about? Well, unleavened bread right. and, and sacrificing lambs and mm-hmm. Blood everywhere. Yeah. So he's talking in terms of Passover yeah. about well, I, you know, I'm yeah. I'm the bread that God gives, and I am life giving bread, mm-hmm. and uh, you got to eat my body, not just eat this unleavened bread of the yeah. Passover to be saved, and mm-hmm. and that blood that will be slain on the altar mm-hmm. uh, from the Passover lamb. It's me. My blood yeah. is what gives life. Yeah. And it's a hard saying. And the text and, says something like, and those many who heard turned away. Yeah, at that time, many, arguably most, yeah. turned away. And, and then this perf- this lovely story, then yes. Jesus says to his disciples, well, are y'all going to turn away as well? And they say back, to no. where, to where, where would we, we go? go? You have the words of life. You're the only one yeah. that can give eternal life. Yeah. And so they they got it. They understood. But it is a hard saying. It and is. And— that acting in faith, that was responding in faith. I derail this. I just think it's a cool story. You oh, have the masses, and Jesus story. could have just said, "Let's keep going." Who wants, you know, who wants another drink? And instead, he says, "You're, you're following this um, fanfare and the yeah. benefits of following me instead of me." Originally, you he know. says they were following because John says they they were following because they want to see more signs, yeah, more miracles, signs, wonders. And then yeah. Jesus says, "Okay, you're not following now because of the signs. You're following because you had a great meal that didn't cost you anything, right. and there was leftovers. It yeah. was abundance. Yeah. And and that's the wrong point. So right. I, I say this he, in he, all he course corrects in all thoughtfulness. Sometimes we pursue healing that way." Why do you do you want to be healed? Why do you want to be healed? Why do you want to be whole? And if it's to proclaim the name of Jesus and the goodness of God Mm -hmm. and to grow in faith and to be deepened in faith, that's a really noble uh, objective. But uh, sometimes God chooses to heal in other ways. Uh, he he is so, and I, let me just say this. I don't know where we're on time, but God is always more interested in giving us what we need than what we want. Well, I know, and so I yeah, I'm kind of tossing these things around in my mind because we we're not Calvinists. So let me I, in my mind, there's kind of an extreme here, which is that that God uh, that we will we'll suffer and God will do what God's going to do because He's predetermined and it's all about His glory and all the there's nuggets of truth within that. But I think God does want us to be whole and healed and happy in the biblical sense of that. Uh, but our, our experiences, some, sometimes we don't get those things because the, the goal of life is to be most like Jesus. Mm-hmm. But I think that can come across too pious and predestination-ish and like we're intended to suffer just because we are on this earth to suffer. And that's not what I mean. There's a, But I, I'm kind of rolling this around in my mind because I think— uh, the goal of the Christian life is to be like Jesus, and sometimes these things that don't go away and don't get healed help us look and and commune and be most like Jesus. But I think we want to be comfortable more than anything else. We we don't want to be godly. Mm. We're our, I say that uh, stereotypically, and I'm sorry, it's it's an overstatement. But for most of no, us, no, but what most we of us listening. We want happiness. At any, we pursue at any pleasure. cost, right? Yeah, we want to be uh, in control. Mm-hmm. And what Jesus teaches in the Lord's Prayer is 
um, your kingdom come and your yeah. will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Help me just to trust you today mm-hmm. for what I need yeah. and to not store up uh, so much that I have no need of you. And mm-hmm. as a result, have no thought of you. There's no dependence on you. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. we miss that communing. So comfort. Cause I, yeah, I'm thinking over here about comfort. I think, you know, in the kingdom of God, when it's all made right, will we be comfortable Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, you absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I know, and but 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 not to the point that it's the thing that we worship. Oh, or, you know what I now, mean. Oh, yeah. But I'm now just, we just see in part, I'm, and then we'll we'll see fully, and we'll we'll know as we are known. And so we're in the presence, the tangible presence passage. of Almighty God, yeah. and all His infinite triune fellowship. Yes. It will be so overwhelming. Yeah. Even now, that that old song I love. Uh, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful uh, face, and the things of earth grow strangely dim yeah. in the light of his glory and grace. Yeah. And that's just a so it's, shadow it's of the things comfort, to come. It's healing, but it's not like, like you're saying, it's not uh, an abundance that distracts us from the presence of God right. and the need and, for God. And sometimes it's the pain and suffering draw us to Jesus or, or drive yeah, us. They do. <laughs> More they than draw us, drive us to yeah. Jesus in a way that is for that nothing our else good does. Yeah. And, and for the world's good. And they get our attention and they change our lives. So that pain yeah. in the night uh, kind of phenomenon that I mentioned earlier, uh, we need a little nagging pain. I've we laughed do. with people that near-death experiences can be a great gift from God mm-hmm. because it gives perspective to yeah. life in a way that few things can. And so God knows us perfectly. He loves us yeah. perfectly. Uh, he knows what he intends to do in and through us. Yeah. And so, again, what he wants to give us is what we need, not what mm-hmm. we want. But it's it's for our good and for his glory. And so he does heal. He does yeah. provide, often in miraculous, super, supranatural yeah. ways. And, uh, and it's always to bring glory to the Lord Jesus yeah. and to draw us into personal relation with him yeah. and so that we can testify. You know, I've got, I've got, I've just, I'm rolling all this around. I've got a, a small story that I want to share and it's my podcast, so I'll do it. And um, this triplet pregnancy has been very hard. The pregnancy was hard. The triplet parenting is impossible. And so the past few months have just been so difficult. And I shared a little bit of that with mm-hmm. the deacons and uh, full of joy. We love these boys. They're healthy. They're beautiful. They're growing. Mm-hmm. And full of just, it's just so exhausting. It's just so exhausting. And for any of you that are parents, it's exhausting. For any of your parents or multiples, it's exhausting. I mean, I, I think it's, it's it's a level playing field. We all get worn out. But maybe two weeks ago, Kara Milton, one of our associates, uh, one of our colleagues, came over to help me with the babies one night. And somewhere, like halfway through feeding a baby, I just like hit a wall. And I was already tired, but I felt like I was going to throw up. I felt like I was... um sick. I was getting like physically sick. And I just started praying, okay, God, you, you've got to take this away from me because I'm holding a baby. There are two more in the room. Kara's here with me, but we need to get, I, we have to get these babies to bed and then I can go to sleep. But like, I can't just stop. I can't crater right now. Well, I yeah. And there have been many times where I'm like, I have no, I cannot just stop or I would, or I'd love to. But, and so I remember praying that like, Lord, you've got to heal me. And I, I need to not be nauseous. I need, you know, naming these like terms and conditions of what I really need in the moment. And then at some point, I mean, Kara is a very good friend of mine. And I just say like, Kara, I feel terrible and I am not doing well. And of course, Kara's like, what do you need? How can I do it? And I'm like, no, I just need to power through this. And so I remember what getting done with whatever I needed, which is basically feeding a baby, burping them, getting them in a sleep sack and getting them in bed. And then I don't think I threw up, but I went to the bathroom just to reset. 
and came back. And Kara was like, you need to go to sleep right now. And I was like, there are two more babies. And she's like, lay down. <laughs> and I laid down on our couch in the same room with because our bassinets mm-hmm. are in our mm-hmm. living room right now. And and I fell asleep immediately because my body was like, you are done. And I woke up two hours later to Kara still at my house. Wait, it was a it was a Saturday night, which meant Kara had to be here on a Sunday morning at eight. I don't know. Kara was just at near the bassinets, juggling three babies and putting them back to sleep, while I literally just passed out on our on our bed on our couch. Mm-hmm. And I just remember reflecting on that later and thinking that this is how God had answered my prayer, and so badly I wanted to just be healed so I could be self-sufficient and take care of my family. And instead, I was healed. I mean, two hours later, I felt like myself again. You got what you needed in but a way But not you the didn't way expect. I wanted. And so often, <laughs> I, it's just this, it's, it's letting my good friends help me. It's letting the church be the church. And I just have this image. There's a few of those. My friend Bethany has had, I've had an experience like that. Bethany and Scott have shown up when I really needed them. Um, and my parents and what, you know, all those. But that moment with Kara, I just remember um, just later thinking, I think that God brought exactly what I needed, but not at all in the way that I wanted. And, you know, here we are two weeks later and we're all still alive and Kara's still what my I, good friend. What I love about that story is uh, you and your inner circle are being shaped in ways mm-hmm. that you didn't expect, didn't mm-hmm. necessarily want yeah. But but will change your perspective and outlook and make yeah. you a better minister mm-hmm. for the rest That's, of your life. I know. And I run the care ministry at our church, and I'm just receiving so much care. And it's 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 going to obviously shape the next half of my ministry life, right? So anyway, I think that's appropriate. I wasn't going to share that story, but as we talk about it, you you know. God knows what you need in the moment. He is not uncaring, but he's all-knowing and all-good, and he has— in mind what he's trying to accomplish. And for us in this triplet pregnancy, I've been at the church seven and a half years, and I've developed such good friendships. And these people have just, I just see how he's woven together the support system that we have, and I thank him daily for it. Mm, Amen. Well, it's a beautiful testimony. Again, all glory to God. He uses his people who are mm-hmm. uh, in tune with him yes. and, and seeking what he wants yeah. in ways that are so profound. And something as simple as holding a baby mm-hmm. can be a miraculous gift from God. I'm receiving it. Uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. And people that care and are available. Um, and I think that's what Jesus wants from all of his followers. Stop trying to run ahead. Stop trying to outthink me. Stop trying to be in control. Listen, be attentive, mm-hmm. be responsive. Trust. Trust. That's a word the pastor and, used and, yesterday. And don't think you know. Again, this this guy in John 5 thought there was only one way to be healed. Mm-hmm. Bless his heart. He was the one that was afflicted. Yeah. But Jesus has so much more to offer than just that. Mm. And uh, and he experienced it in part. And we don't know the rest of the story or how it played out. But yeah. uh, we, we trust we that this. his life was forever changed mm-hmm. and, and others' lives were changed as a result of his testimony, mm-hmm. not unlike the woman at the well or any of the others that encountered Christ. Yeah. So, But even you, you're encountering Jesus in even very profound me. ways that I are am. shaping you oh, yeah. and, and is shaping. Ultimately, it's going to help determine who your boys are. Mm. And I that? love that. Yeah, Isn't that beautiful? Well, I think whether I want it or not, it is being used. Well, I do want this to make me more like Jesus. 
Amen. That's at, the goal. At least in my dependence on him. That's so. the goal. All right. Well, we're crying in the studio, so I think we can go ahead and wrap that up. <laughs> this has been, for me, an enjoyable and different mm. episode of Tell Me More with my very good friend, Kurt Grice, and his deep... Kurt, your deep uh, devotion and love of the Bible, we at First Baptist Arlington are great recipients of that. Thank you. Yep. All right, y'all. We'll be back in the studio next week with some people talking about something. Okay. See you then. Thanks for listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening. Have a good day. Have a good day. Yeah, work with that. Okay.